solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, almost Victory Monday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime, Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. We are here to recap the almost victory, but the ultimately 25 to 22 loss to the New England Patriots. John, just take it away, my guy. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm super excited to talk about today's episode, not for why you guys <laughs> may think, but I think there are some positives we're going to come out after we have our discussion about this team. First, thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We are free and available on all major podcasting platforms and YouTube. I got my Astros orange on now, repping the Strolls. Before we talk about the Houston Texans, I want to dive into just the numbers, give you guys a quick recap just in case you didn't get an opportunity to watch the game. Davis Mills had the best start game of his young NFL career going 21 for 29, 312 yards, three touchdowns, and no turnovers. The run game, still abysmal. 24 rushes, 67 yards, a whopping 2.8 yards per carry. However, Chris Moore, who was called up from the practice squad earlier this week, five catches for 109 yards. Chris Conley, who We've criticized on this show one of Houston's bigger signings in the offseason. He finally had a good game. Three catches for 81 yard, 84 yards and three touchdowns. Also, Lonnie Johnson Jr., you guys know him. Y'all call him Tweet Through It. Tweet Through It had two or had an interception yesterday. And that's great. That's his second week with an interception. Also, Houston accounted for one sack, and that one sack came from Jonathan Bernard. And that's his second sack in back-to-back weeks as well. When I look at Houston and the day that they had on Sunday, well, they went 6-14 of on third downs, 3-for-3 on fourth downs, had a great fourth down performance, 360 total yards. However, the Achilles heel of yesterday's game, among many things, eight penalties for 70 yards. Houston also did a much better job this week in time of possession. Lost that battle only by 30 seconds. And Cody, I'm going to go ahead and give it over to you to take it away. Uh, but when we look at this team, like I mentioned, there are some positives, there are some negatives. But overall, special teams and the job done by David Cully was <laughs> unacceptable, Cody. And I'm going to let you go ahead, but I cannot wait to dive into why I thought yesterday's loss was solely on an unprepared head coach. I'm not going to say it was solely on an unprepared head coach because even with all those mistakes, if the special team unit was able to do their job, they they still would have came out victorious in this game. And you and I would still be talking about the terrible play calling from David Cully, but we would be talking about it in a different light because they were still able to win this game. And when I take a look at the special team unit, look, first and foremost, I think everybody knows that the Houston Texans want to be the New England Patriots 2.0. Well, I'm calling Nick Casario out right now. And if you want to be the New England Patriots so bad, there is no way in hell Fairbear should still have a job come tomorrow. Uh, uh, Andre Roberts should have been lost his job. And maybe 
Cam Johnson. I'm not going to push back on him too much, but Cam Johnson should be on the hot seat because we all know, and John, you are actually a fan of this organization. The, new, the, the Patriots are known for if you make a couple mistakes that cost us a win, you're out of there by that Monday. No, no, no more than that Tuesday. And the special team unit, not just from yesterday's game, but throughout this whole season has been terrible. And Fairbear missed not one, not two, but three field goals. He missed two extra point kicks. And then, and John, I'm going to let this transition into the David Cully. He missed a 58-yard attempt, which... I'm not going to put too much blame on Fairbear because he was already having a terrible day, and I'm pretty sure by then his confidence was shot, and that was one of the many bad play calls that David Cully and his coaching staff, and I'm saying and his coaching staff because I do not believe that he's the only one making the final calls for this organization every single game, but this special team unit basically cost the Texans what could have been their second victory of the season. And John, like I mentioned, Nick Casario has to do something. If winning is still a priority, they have to do something about this special team. And by the way, Fairbear, I've never been a big fan of him. He just showed once again why he is not a kicker that you could rely on. Well, let me say this, Cody. The entire NFL had a crazy day on Sunday. That was the <laughs> amount of extra points or field goals that was missed in a span of 24 hours. Over 10, and I'm sure that number may be higher, but it was crap. Like Green Bay and, 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 and the Cincinnati game. That was one I of the craziest <laughs> back and forth. Like he thought he made it. Mason Crosby missed, I think, four on his own. So yesterday was a crazy day for kickers. And I think – uh, all 32 teams may be reevaluating their kicker position, right? Uh, but to get back to David Culley and the special teams, listen, after Davis Mills hit that pass to Brandon Cooks on third and seven, that only went for three yards. Uh, let me tell you why I'm putting this on David Culley, guys. David Culley wasn't sure what to do, okay? It was fourth and four, and instead of already having a plan, this is on a Patriots 38. Instead of already having a plan, he burnt a timeout. Okay? A timeout you could have used towards the end of the game. But you burnt the timeout when you should have already been prepared on whether or not you want to go for it or kick it. Okay? Couldn't decide for it. Like I mentioned, um, burnt that timeout. And during that break, that's when he decided to put Fairbairn on that field to kick that 57-yard field goal. I'm going to tell you why. Another issue that I have, another issue that I have with David Cully. Your kicker is already struggling heavily at that point. Your offense has been winning heavily at that point. Davis Mills, man, and we're going to talk about him more throughout the week, but Davis Mills was the, hey, I can play football in the league type of game yesterday. 312 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Houston got busy with some trickery. Tim Kelly had a great offensive game in the first half, cooled off in the second half. We'll talk about that later. But your kicker is already in a place where he's struggling on the field, and mentally at that point. Why put him out there for a 58, 57-yard field goal when his range has only been in his career 55? So he's only his, the highest he's made is 55, and on top of that, he's already missed a few field, field goals for the day. But that wasn't even the worst. That wasn't even the worst, Cody. There's no way that I'm going and I'm choosing to do a fake punt. That fake punt netted zero yards, got, black, got blocked, 
Patriots got their ball back. That's when they kicked their field goal. So they, they took their lead down 13, and, and they stretched it down to 10. That allowed the New England Patriots to slowly get back in the game. Climb, climb, And, and climb by the way, to that – and I'm sorry to cut you off, but to that point, that was the moment David Johnson talked about being on the sideline, watching the momentum slip sure. away from this team. Absolutely. And look, John – Moving forward, I don't want to see the Texans try no more fake punts ever again because every time they try, it always backfire, and they end up on the wrong side of the scoreboard. Absolutely, and and you, I was watching that game. The, I was watching that game with a buddy of mine. He's a Texan fan. You guys know uh, professionally I love the Texans, but off the, off the camera, I'm a Pats fan. We had a little friendly bet going on who's going to buy the other person lunch. But when that happened – the room got quiet. We looked at each other and said, yep, that's the play that's going to determine that game. And ultimately, I think that's what happened. That allowed New England to get some swagger about themselves, get back into the game, and slowly chip away at that weed, uh, at that lead. A lot of clock mismanagement, a lot of terrible play-calling decisions in that second half, along with terrible penalties, is what really hurt the Houston Texans. And, and I got to tell you, I am out of excuses. I don't want to hear any more excuses from David Cully where we thought that this was the best decision. There's no way you would have thought Fairbairn was in the best position to make that field goal when he was already outside of his range and he had been missing passes on the day. Okay? We don't want to hear anything that you're telling us. You've been unprepared in several consecutive games now. And one of the things you hung your hat on at the beginning of the season, during the offseason, preseason we saw how ticked out you were where how you wanted to be more uh, a team that is less penalized than other teams and i gotta tell you cody and the viewers from what i've seen in the second half of this game and what i saw in last game and a couple of times throughout the season i saw the ghost of bill o'brien with clock management bad play call decisions and all of these excuses okay we, we don't need it and that's what happened on sunday that's what happened also. And I think I think that second half is what really hurt the Houston Texans in winning that game. That game was totally winnable. Honestly, that game ended up being won by three points. And that second half momentum should have been carried over. And they could have won that game uh, by more than what they did. Well, like I just mentioned, we could agree to disagree. Because when you take a look at Fairbairn, that's five points right there. And the Houston Texans would have got a victory. So yeah. it is what it is at this point, man. You know, you could blame David Cully. And like I mentioned, every time we talk about David Cully, I don't want to put too much blame on him because I refuse to believe that he is the end-all, be-all head coach. Like the other 31 coaches around this league, he isn't the only one. And you talk about bad play calling, you got to also point the finger at Tim Kelly as well. He called the phenomenal game in the first half. The second half, he got a little bit too conservative. And that's my mm. biggest issue with this team because, look, I get it. Tom Brady isn't on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage, but at the end of the day, you still have Bill Belichick, who is arguably by far the greatest coach in NFL history. And he showed that, and he showed the reason why you cannot play with the clock too early against him because he can still put together a play calling, make, make adjustments, by the way, and put together a play, a game plan in the middle of a game that's going to end with the New England Patriots stealing a victory from the Houston Texans, and that's what we saw. By the way, before we move on, uh, Jack Easterby was on the field with like 15 seconds left. Looked like he was huddled up around David Cully in the play hmm. calling. That's very interesting. That is something that is going to get uh, them Texan Twitter streets 
riled up, and I can't wait to see what they got to say. I can't wait to tell you about Direct TV Stream. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way you can get all of your entertainment you love without the hassle with Direct TV Stream. They bring you the live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting. Get direct. Get your life together right now with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Cody and I may disagree in the next segment about who lost the game and what a place blame. However, positives and negatives has been brought out of yesterday's game. I think we talked about the, the negatives. Let's talk about some of the positives coming up next. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Monday installment of Locked on Texans as John and I continue to break down the Houston Texans 25-22 to loss to the New England Patriots on yesterday. And before we start talking about the positives and before we start talking about as good Davis Mills looked on yesterday, John, going back to what you and I talked about in the first segment about who we're going to place this blame on you know I say special teams you say David Cully and in terms of David Cully I extend it to the coaching staff and I'm going to look at Tim Kelly just as more as just as much as I'm about to praise Tim Kelly because he called a phenomenal game in that first half and that's part of the reason why the Houston Texans looked really good and in the first half exactly and then in the first half guess what he decided to do utilize his tight ends in the passing game. And we finally saw Jordan Aikens get involved. We saw Pharaoh Brown get involved. But what did he do in the second half? We just went back to using the tight ends as pass and rush blockers. I did not like that, that, that adjustment because going back to what you and I talked about last week, mm-hmm. part of the reason why this offense is struggling, it was struggling up until that point, was because they was not using the tight ends correctly. You know what's funny? So Saturday, the entire sports world finally saw what the Houston Texans had, had been dealing with <laughs> for the past six years with Bill O'Brien and their play caller, mm-hmm. right, with Alabama. And then in the first half of the Sunday game against the New England Patriots, as you said, Tim Kelly called a perfect game, damn near perfect game. Second half, I felt like the ghost of Bill O'Brien walked into the building at NRG and said, you know what, this is way too much positivity for me. I don't like it. Let's change it. Let's switch it up. And let's do some things that I want to do. And that's why he's the entity, because he's going to always come up. But you're absolutely right. Look, uh, a Clark got involved. I'm sorry, a Claire got involved with a touchdown early in the game. Farrell Brown and Jordan Aikens both combined for four catches, uh, a little bit under 40 yards. But you're absolutely right. I thought that Houston should have continued with getting them involved, especially against a weakened, weakened defense by the New England Patriots. They were missing guys on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball, but they were really able to win in a lot of those man matchups early on in the game. Now, mind you, and credit to Tim Kelly for them getting Chris Moore kindly involved in the passing game. You know, that was a beautiful flea flicker play that was really sold by Mark Ingram. He sold that flea flicker, uh, flea flicker, flicker. I'm sorry, a tongue twister. And then they was able to hit, was that Conley? They was able to hit Conley for a big play as well. So, you know, when I look at Tim Kelly, 
I look at him as a guy that, okay, your fingerprints has been around this team for a while now. And you have some familiar faces. You brought in some new faces, and I understand that. And I also understand that you have been limited. The play calling has a lot, has had a lot of limitations by the run game, and I, and I get that. But I think yesterday was a day – Sunday's matchup was a day for Tim Kelly and Davis Mills to grow together. And so you know what? Screw putting that ball on the ground. Uh, we're going to really utilize your arm game. And for the most part of the game, they did. But I do think Cody, you're right. He deserves some type of criticism because you can't call a, a game like you did in the first half. You get that big lead on the New England Patriots who, you know, I, I thought Houston was in a position where they can kick them while they're down. Like I mentioned, missing players. They were off sync. The backups was getting burnt or they weren't able to kind of secure blocks. Houston did a good job of knocking Mac Jones, I think, a little bit around, moving him off his block. And so uh, that was one of the things that I enjoy watching from Houston, but then go back and revert to some of the things that you did in previous games in that second half. Now, granted, I think that once that block punt happened, that really shifted and changed the momentum, and I and I get that. But Houston – we're, we're really winning the battles against on the outside against New England's corners. And that was a matchup that I thought they should have continued to go at. I didn't like the fact that Brandon Cooks, who was served most part of the game as like a decoy, ended the game with three catches on 23 yards. I thought that he should have had more of those opportunities because the corners for New England had a very difficult day early on. And it really, it, can, it continued throughout the game. Well, my only comeback to that is, and it kind of goes into Davis Mills on the way because you saw when Davis Mills got on the field against the Cleveland Browns, that was the only guy he was looking at, looking for Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks. And John, I kind of feel like it doesn't matter who the New England Patriots was utilizing in a secondary. They kind of put Brandon Cooks in a box and kind of made him irrelevant throughout this game. And this is what I liked seeing the growth in Davis Mills because one of our biggest criticism of Mills was the fact that he was just a one-read quarterback. Mm -hmm. He was not a one-read quarterback yesterday in that game against the Patriots. He was in the pocket. He looked comfortable. He looked very good. He 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 handled the pressure when the po pocket started to collapse. Finally, you guys were able to see what I was seeing throughout training camp. When that pocket started to collapse, he's able to use his use legs to extend the drive. Yeah. His sneaky athleticism, as Titus Howard like to call it. But he was moving the ball around a lot. And I do want to mention another reason why it is important for the Texans to use their tight ends. You go back and take a look at that first half. Because it seemed like Pharaoh Brown and Jordan Akins were starting to get in the groove, they were starting to be used as decoys to free up guys like Chris Moore, who had a phenomenal game. It seemed like when you use your tight ends and when you have a, a very <laughs> – very well established wide receiver and Brandon Cooks, you can actually use those guys to where they're going to have an impact on the game. And yes, like in Brandon Cook case, it's not going to showcase in his numbers, but at the same time, it's going to open the door for somebody like Chris Moore to come out and have a game where he have eight catches for 109 yards, which is by the way, a career high. Yeah. I, I liked how Houston chose the unconventional route to get guys involved. Well, 
they were taking unconventional names and getting them involved. Like you just mentioned, Chris Moore, we, we we're praising him right now, and I and I he deserves a lot of praise. You're coming up from their practice squad, although you have a lot of familiarity with this offense. Tim Kelly, David Kelly, we can go through the whole stretch. Played in the preseason with him, five catches for one on nine and a touchdown, and really breaking open that game for Houston and breaking through that pass secondary. That was huge, right? And I think Chris Conley is another guy that has been non-existent for Houston, and he had a day. So they chose a, like a different route to get those unconventional guys' names involved in the game, and I loved it. I just – I think moving forward, Houston needs to do a better job of choosing the downs they want to run on and not be as predictable. Okay, and what I'm saying is just a better job of choosing. Okay, it's first down, but we don't have to run. The priority on the first down is not to run right now. We can use Davis Mills, and he did show off some of that sneaky athleticism uh, out in the pocket, able to use his arm. That play to Conley where he put it, where only Conley was able to get it. Was that mm-hmm. Conley? Yeah, that was Conley, right? That over uh, the Williams, touchdown? the touchdown over Williams' head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That play was amazing. Like, I, that was a great throw. Contrary to what some of my boys may think, I thought that was a great play where only he could get it and nobody else. And so, uh, offensively, they had some very positive spots, man. And, and I think <sighs> consistency is the key. Consistency is what Houston needs moving forward in order to break this losing streak. They got when you say they got the oh, coast go next, and, and and I want to see a lot of that what they did against the Patriots for the entire game against the coast. Well, go ahead, Cody. When you say consistency, do you think it's more so the players, or do you think it's more so the coaching staff? Because Overall. Overall. I, they, I, feed, I think they feed off is, one another. Yeah, yeah, you're right, but I think this is more so the coaching staff. It is fault. the reason why we saw the collapse in the second half is more so the coaching staff in the game that Tim Kelly and David Cully called because once again, it, it's kind of like instead of you trusting your rookie quarterback and Davis Mills, who put on a phenomenal showing in the first half, you reverted back to being conservative. And, and that's and, what and I'm failing to goal. understand. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely on the coach. And I'm watching some of the highlights from the TV right now as we prepare for the Sunday night game, but it's absolutely on the coaches. The players feed off the coaches. In that first half, we said, wow, Chris Cunningham's actually playing today. Hmm. In that first half, uh, the tight ends got involved. Why? Because they were, it was made for them to be involved. It was made for Conley to get involved. So it does go hand in hand with the players and coaches. Tim Kelly, the coaches put faith in their players, put them in position to succeed. Then, okay, players, all you can ask for is to be in those positions. Now you got to make the plays. Yesterday in the first half was a day that they just made the plays. Ladies and gentlemen, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Okay. This week, limited time flavor, cookie, dough, chunk. Don't want to miss out. Built Bar has nine delicious flavor, including coconut, coconut almond, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, and of course, like I just mentioned, the limited, the limited time flavor of the cookie dough chunk. There's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, but you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar and net carbs, okay? 
Order today. Get that raspberry. Get that mint brownie. Get that cookie dough chunk or whatever you like. Go to billboard.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-15 for 15% off at billboard.com. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. We will continue with breaking down Davis Mills' performance and how Houston can end the four-game losing streak. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. Yes, this one hurts a lot more. We did so well in the first half, and then, you know, the second half, you can just feel the momentum swinging closer to their side. And, man, this one hurts a lot, especially with everything with the Patriots and their organization, you know, their their legacy that they have. It definitely does hurt. What's the mood around the sideline? You mentioned you guys helped the momentum slipping in that second half. What's the mood like on the sideline when that happened? Momentum was slipping, but we still felt like we could win the game. I mean, we were up. Most of the game, we still had, you know, a chance to, I felt like we always had a chance to uh, come out and win, and, and our defense is doing a hell of a job, you know, making, getting turnovers, doing everything they can to keep us on the field. I mean, we had the ball, or the time of possession, possession was, you know, more on our side, and when the clock, clock uh, strike zero, we, we were losing them. That was... David Johnson, who, by the way, also had a pretty solid game. They had an opportunity to utilize him a lot in the passing game, by the way. But that was David Johnson, and you could hear it in his voice. And, John, the listeners, I kind of hate to say it, but I think this is one of them losses that's going to kill the Houston Texans season. Hopefully I'm wrong, but you can tell at the end of the game, talking to the players, this loss took a toll on them. And throughout this, I I think the theme of this show, we talked a lot about the coaching staff. And when I take a look at the defense, John, the listeners, and John, you might disagree with me, but I think I'm going to put this loss also on Lovey Smith. And, yes, the defense did have another pretty solid good game, especially by the fact that they had two takeaways. But, John, the one thing that bothered me about the Texans' defense was the fact that I don't think they got, got after Mac Jones more so than they should have because going into this game, the New England Patriots were missing four of their five starters on that offensive line. And once yeah. again, even though Mac Jones, I do believe, is going to have a phenomenal career, this is only, what, his fifth game? He's still a baby quarterback. He's a rookie. And I hate the fact that Lovey Smith focused too much on staying in soft coverage because a lot of Mac Jones's best plays came attacking the Texans secondary straight to the middle of the field other than blitzing in that zone defense. To me, that just got next to me. And once again, I'm looking at the coaching staff by saying if Lovey Smith would have just got after Matt Jones this just a little bit, and by the way, they only ended this game with only one sack. And since we're talking about the subpar performance from the Texans front four, what the hell is going on with Charles Aminahu? We're going to talk about that tomorrow as well. Yeah, I, I don't put this on Lovey Smith in the defense at all. I do agree that that soft coverage, Mac Jones was able to find Hunter Henry, uh, Jacoby Myers, and them boys uh, in between the linebacker and safety. So that soft coverage did help Mac in that offense a little bit. But overall, that was the same coverage that they had going into halftime when they had a 13-point lead. And uh, I, I think ultimately overall, like when you have a game, we have two turnovers, interception, fumble, 
You did only have one sack. However, you were able to kind of limit what Mac was able to do. After that first drive where they went down and scored, Mac had an abysmal two quarters in a row. Let's call it what it is. That second and third quarter was terrible, just able to keep around. And they was able to be kept around bad punt decision. Uh, and I, kicking forward, uh, going, kick, kicking the field goal on fourth and four for the 56 yarder. Those things is what I think really hurt the Texans chances. And you're right, Cody. Yes, they should have went after Mac Jones a lot more. When we had our crossover show, I said, well, I picked the Texans to win that game because it's just too many guys out. Trent Brown was out. Isaiah Wynn was out. Offensive line. It was like four offensive linemen. Had a guard out. Too much was going on. And, yes, they should have caused more pressure. And I think at times they did. I think a lot of those pressures that we're, we're, we're not seeing on, on the tape – I'm sorry, not on the tape – on the box score, you can see it on the tape. You know, they were able to rattle him a little bit. They was able to get in his face a little bit. And he wasn't able to just sit back and dink and down for about a quarter and a half, maybe two quarters. So I don't put this on Lovey Smith in that defense. I, I solely put this loss on taking your foot off the gas, huh. uh, conservativeness, and the terrible special team decisions that Houston had throughout that game on Sunday. And that is where you and I could definitely agree. This is the Locked On Texas podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We're now at 200 subscribers. So let's get to 215 by the end of the week. I'm John from Sports Guy Hickman. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Facebook. And like I said, subscribe to us uh, at, on YouTube at Locked On Texans as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Please tune in for tomorrow. We have a show for you guys tomorrow because, once again, there is no reason, no way in hell Charles Aminihu should have been a healthy scratch. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.